0: Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for this morning is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you, Father, for your word. Stacy, thank you for doing our scripture reading today. As you just read, Stacy read, and we read, we can come to. Our Lord, in our time of need. Well, let's, let's come to him in prayer as we look into his word today. <clears throat> let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive our trespasses, as we also forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Lord, we bring to you our needs and You tell us that we can, and we can ask for daily bread. And, Lord, we often see that as physical need, which we have, but it's also emotional and spiritual need that we have as well. And So we ask you to meet our spiritual and emotional needs as well as our physical needs. We thank you that you do forgive sin, and, Lord, bring to mind anything that is in our hearts that needs to be brought to you, that you might forgive it and cleanse us, Lord. Lord, help us to be ready to forgive others as you've forgiven us, to let go of bitterness and misunderstanding, to refrain from spreading things, whether they're true or not, that are hurtful to others. Lord, may your kingdom reign in our hearts as it reigns in heaven, that your will would be done. Thy will be done, as you've already sung. Lord, as we look into your word now, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts so that we might be changed into Christ's likeness, and because of that, we might change our world around us as we are changed. May thy will be done in our hearts, but, Lord, we pray thy will would be done in our nation as well, because it, too, is hurting. Lord, we lift all these prayers up to you in that beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. I had just finished performing a wedding in the sanctuary and I was kind of in a hurry to get to the reception but I was supposed to be driving to the reception with some other people who were at the wedding so we could drive together and they were busy fellowshipping and gabbing and talking and I'm kind of urging them like we need to go, we need to go and, and what they didn't know is that I'd forgotten what time the reception was going to start exactly but I was asked to pray at the reception. Uh, when it opened. I was to open it with prayer, so I couldn't be late, and so I'm trying to hurry them, and they're just continuing to talk and talk. So finally, I had to tell them why I was in such a rush, and I meant to say, I have to pray at the reception, but I was in such a rush, I misspoke, and I said to them, hurry up, I have to pray at the conception. Well, I did not pray at the conception, you'll be happy to know, and I did pray at the reception. But my misspoken words remind me of a very important truth about prayer that we're going to be talking about today. And if you are watching online, there's an outline on the PDF icon. If you're in this room, there's some outlines by the doors if you didn't get one. But the first principle I want to talk about, the main principle we're going to talk about is this. Here's the principle. Prayer and intimacy go hand in hand prayer and intimacy go hand in hand. And by intimacy, I mean the literal definition of that word, which means closeness, familiarity, openness, and vulnerability. Closeness, familiarity, openness, and vulnerability. And when you pray, those things can happen because prayer and intimacy go hand in hand. Think about any relationship you have, and the more intimate that relationship is with somebody, the more vulnerable you are with that person. And consequently, the more trusting you must be of that other person when you become vulnerable with them. And that deepens the relationship when you are intimately related and vulnerable and trusting in that relationship. But if you break that trust... You injure the vulnerable party, and you immediately shut out intimacy. It ends immediately. One of the beauties of prayer is that in prayer, you can safely be your most vulnerable. You can share with God things that you may not share with anyone else, and you are safe. God will never break your trust. God will never turn your intimate prayers into something that he gossips about. God will never minimize your pain. God will never minimize your feelings. He won't ridicule you. He won't say that's foolish, that's stupid, or you're ignorant. He won't say you should know better. You can go to God with your real self. The safest place in the world for you to bring your feelings and emotions and your heart is to God in prayer. The principle that we're talking about is prayer and intimacy go hand in hand. And today we're going to talk about two applications of this. And the first application, if you're looking at your notes, is this. Number one, your prayers create intimacy with God. Your prayers create intimacy with God. But that's only true if you are authentic with God you have to be authentic you have to share with him what's truly in your heart showing him your true self and how you really really feel take for example when a young man is courting a young woman if he just tells her the words that she wants to hear that she's been longing to hear but those words aren't really in his heart then he's being deceitful. He's being cruel. He's being hurtful. And that's not true intimacy. And when we go to prayer, we're not supposed to say the things we think God wants to hear. We need to say the things that are in our heart. C.S. Lewis put it this way. C.S. Lewis said, We must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. To lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. We can be intimate with God. We can share with really in our hearts. Look at the prayers in the Bible of Moses, of Job, of David, even of Jesus. They are raw. They are real. They are relevant. They share what is really in their hearts, not what maybe they think God wants to hear. These are authentic prayers recorded for us in the scriptures. I don't know if you've ever struggled with some of the Psalms in the book of Psalms. I have. And I read those and I, I go, wow, I I don't get how this could be in the Bible. And I didn't understand the book of Psalms until someone pointed out to me that the book of Psalms are unedited prayers. They are spiritual journals of people praying. It's not saying that you should pray with their content. It's just exposing their hearts and showing us how they prayed. Take, for example, Psalm 137. We call these imprecatory psalms. Psalm 137 in verse 1, it says, By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. You might recall that the Jewish people had been taken captive from Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem, their capital, and they've been taken to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're going to be in exile for 70 years because of their disobedience to God, and God told them it'll be 70 years. And it says, we are by the rivers of Babylon, Tigris and Euphrates rivers, and we are weeping with sadness when we think about what's happened. And then let's jump down to verse 7. Here's the prayer. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, and the Edomites were enemies of the Jews. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it. Now that's an odd English word. It sounds like raise, sounds like raise. <laughs> R-A-I-S-E means to raise up, to build up. Raze, R-A-Z-E, means to tear down. And here they are saying, our enemies are saying on the day of Jerusalem, tear down, tear down. They are rooting for the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. To its very foundation, verse 7 says. And then verse 8, O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you. So they're praying for their enemies to be paid back with the recompense with which you have repaid us. And notice verse 9. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rocks. Who prays like that? Apparently you do. I do. People do, and they're mad. They're upset. And God has put this raw, relevant, real prayer in the Bible... And he's put his stamp of approval, not on the content, but on the authenticity. And God says, when you come to me, you can be authentic. You can be real. You can share what's really hard, because God already knows. Christian writer Philip Yancey asks, do I trust God with my naked self? Foolishly, I hide myself in fear that God will be displeased, though in fact, the hiding may be what displeases God the most. We can't hide from God, so might as well just share what's in our hearts. One of the most startling aspects of what you and I call the Lord's Prayer is often overlooked by those of us who live in the western world in the 21st century but it's something that jewish christians in the first century when they heard jesus give the lord's prayer they would have been shocked by how he started that prayer in matthew 6 9 where we have the prayer given to the disciples jesus says pray in this way and he starts off and he says our father and my version has it in the old english who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. In the two millennia, the 2,000 years between the first Jew, who was a Middle Eastern man by the name of Abram, whose name got changed to Abraham, which means father of a multitude, because from him and his barren wife, God would bring the Jewish people. For 2,000 years, from the beginning of the Jewish nation under Abraham, until the coming of Abraham's descendant, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, no one had ever considered calling Yahweh Father. No one. In fact, the Jews became so afraid of blaspheming God's name that they quit pronouncing it out loud. In fact, to this day, we have no idea how to pronounce the personal name of God given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. We know the consonants, Y-H-W-H in English, but we don't know the vowels. And so it's sometimes pronounced Yahweh or pronounced Jehovah, which is more of a German pronunciation of Yahweh. But we don't know how they pronounced it because they were afraid to pronounce God's word. You see, to the Jewish believer of Jesus' day, the fathers were Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, And Jacob's 12 sons, from whom came the 12 tribes of Israel. These were the fathers. They were called the patriarchs, the fathers. But no one ever considered calling Yahweh father. To them, that would be blasphemy. They wouldn't even mention his name. And yet, in just one word, Jesus changed all that, telling us to pray to God as our father not as Jesus' Father, but as our Father. And by teaching us to pray that way, Jesus revealed to us a whole new relationship that you and I have with the creator of the universe. God wants you to come to him as a vulnerable child, to a beloved daddy, into whose arms you crawl and are safe. And you share your raw, real, relevant thoughts. You become your most vulnerable before him. You are intimate with the God of the universe. But not just you as a group, but you as an individual. He is your father. In the Old Testament, to come into the presence of God meant almost certain death. Only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, and he could only go there one day of the year. And if he did it wrong, he was struck dead. And that all changed through Jesus, and the passage that we looked at earlier in Hebrews chapter 4, picking up in verse 14, We're told in Hebrews 4.14 we have a new relationship because we have a new high priest who is Jesus, who gives us access to God. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin." And notice verse 16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That's the presence of God. You can be in the presence of God because of Jesus Christ. That we may receive mercy. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And find grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And you may find mercy and grace to help in your time of need. Where do you go in your time of need? You go to your Father in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. We call this the Lord's Prayer. But the earliest church didn't call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually not the prayer that the Lord prayed. It's the prayer he gave to his disciples some people call it the disciples' prayer. But the early church, the earliest tradition, the Greek church, calls it the pater imon. And pater imon are two Greek words, which mean our father. And later on, in the Roman church, in Latin, they also called it the our father. So when they pray this prayer, they don't say, let's pray the Lord's prayer. They say, let's pray the our father. It's Jesus' way of telling you and me that we can be authentic with the God of the universe like a child is with his or her daddy. Christian writer Tim Stafford writes these words. He says, we do not pray to tell God what he does not know, nor to remind him of things he has forgotten. He already cares for the things we pray about. He has simply been waiting for us to care about them with him. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows how you're feeling. He's waiting for you to bring that to Him so He can help you. So our first, our principle is prayer and intimacy go hand in hand. And our first application, your prayers create intimacy with God if you are authentic. There's a second application for us today, and the last one that we'll look at is this. Your prayers create intimacy with others. Your prayers create intimacy with others. The words, may I pray for you, have a unique way of erasing boundaries. It doesn't matter if they're cultural boundaries, social boundaries, ethnic boundaries, gender boundaries, age boundaries, whatever they are. When you say, may I pray for you, you immediately are offering your heart To someone and asking them to offer you their heart things that someone might never happen to share with even a close friend would share with someone who might even be a stranger to them when that person says how can I pray for you suddenly those words say what you share with me is safe what are your needs what's in your heart and two people sharing what is real and raw and relevant and authentic. And when you ask somebody, may I pray for you, you need to recognize that is a holy moment when they tell you what they want you to pray about. Praying for another person places their fragile heart into your praying hands. They're becoming their most vulnerable with you. Don't misuse it. Don't abuse it. Keep it confidential. Keep it continually before the Lord. Jesus' half-brother, James, has some helpful advice on prayer in James chapter 5. He talks about praying for people when they're at their most vulnerable, when they're hurting emotionally or physically and or spiritually. And in James chapter 5, verse 13, James says, Is anyone among you suffering? I think we could word it this way. Is anyone among you not suffering? <laughs> Everyone suffers. He says, Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. To know how to pray for someone who's suffering emotionally you have to ask them, what's bothering you? What's bothering you? And they must be willing to bear their emotional soul and tell you their emotional pain. That's vulnerability, that's trust. And if you've ever been in a small group, home group, and people take prayer requests, most people avoid this vulnerability in a group, which is unfortunate, But they probably do because we often misuse it. But it is so needed, we need to have people we can go to and share our suffering so they can bear our burden with us. A suffering shared, you've heard it said, is halved. A joy shared is doubled. And then James goes on to say, in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Now he's talking about physical suffering. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Let's share our physical needs and sufferings with one another. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Don't keep the diagnosis to yourself, don't keep that pain that is physical hidden share it. Let others be in on your physical suffering. And James says, you'll be surprised that it might just bring physical healing. And then he says in verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. Now he goes to spiritual suffering. He's talking about emotional suffering and physical suffering. Now he's talking about spiritual suffering. And he says, Confess your sins one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Who does that? Who do you confess your sins to? Who do you go to and say, hey, I'm really struggling with internet pornography or I'm really struggling with envy of these people who have a nicer this or nicer that or I'm really struggling with bitterness toward my spouse or I'm really struggling with materialism and I don't want to give to the church or give to others or even help my kids go to school. I just want to spend it on my... Who does that? Those who want to be healed do that, James says. There's a tradition in the Catholic in Orthodox churches that we Protestants don't do, and that's to confess your sins to a priest. There's something to be said for that, because you have to expose yourself to another person. Now, that priest can't forgive your sins in the sense that Jesus can eternally, but the Scriptures tell us in Matthew 18, 18, that we as believers can tell someone when they confess their sins that Jesus has forgiven them. And we have the authority to tell people, if they don't confess in sins, that Jesus hasn't forgiven them. Jesus tells us we represent him on earth when people have sinned. He forgives the sins, but we're the spokesperson. Does that make sense? You need to have a confessor. You need to have somebody you can go to and share who will keep it in confidence. Your spiritual suffering. Whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, prayer is most intimate when it's shared authentically with God and with others. Perhaps you've heard the story of little four-year-old Billy. His elderly neighbor next door had lost his wife, just lost her. Wife of, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And Billy was outside playing, and he decided to go next door and talk to Mr. Barnes or visit Mr. Barnes, and he went over there. When he, when he came home, his mom said, Hey, I didn't see you in the yard. Where were you? And Billy said, Oh, I, I went over to see Mr. Barnes to comfort him. And Billy's mom said, Well, son, what could you say to Mr. Barnes that would comfort him? And Billy said, Oh, I didn't say anything. I just crawled in his lap and I helped him cry. That little boy was on to something. Who is it that needs you to help them cry? And who is it that you need to help you cry? Why not make that call and get together and cry and pray together? Let's pray. As we close, but I'd like to ask you, if you'd bow your heads, even if you're watching online, to still listen. Your intimate relationship with God begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, not in your head, but in your heart. If you're listening to these words and you believe that Jesus died for your sins, if you believe he rose from the grave, but you've never asked him to come into your heart in your life to save you right now, I urge you, cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, please save me. I believe. And he will. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us prayer. Forgive us for how we ignore it, how we forget about it, how when we pray, we're not always authentic and real. Lord, help us through your Holy Spirit in us To pray better, to pray more authentically, and to do that not just for ourselves, but for others as well, keeping what they share in confidence. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, because he's interceding for us. Amen.